out your message notes. I'm excited about this morning sharing the word that I have had in my heart now for a couple of months, really setting the pace for this year. I'm going to kick off a four-week series entitled Defining Choices. Defining Choices. You know, as we step into 2017, we must understand that today you are the sum total of all of the choices that you have made in the past. Your life, what you are right now, is because of the choices you have made in the past. And what you will be tomorrow will be the sum total of the choices that you make today. And over the next four weeks, I believe there are four defining choices that if we as a church, we will choose to make the right choice, 2017 will be your best year yet. Not saying it's going to be easy. Not saying you're not going to come against trials or struggles and you're not going to hit circumstances that are hard. But what I am saying is that the choices you make will have a great impact in 2017 to set the course of your life. And so today we're going to talk about purpose over popularity. Next week we're going to talk about surrender over control. How many said, yeah, that, that's good, man. I got, God, let me surrender some things. And got any control freaks in the house? Anybody that got to control everything and put it all in its nice little box? Well, let me tell you, there's a God that you can surrender to and give him control. I'm going to talk about that next week as we go into 2017. And then the third week, we're going to talk about discipline over regret. Making the choice to be disciplined instead of living with regret. And then the last week, we're going to talk about the important over the urgent. How many got just everything seems urgent, but not everything is important? And so if we will look at these choices as individuals, it will guide our life and make 2017 all that God has purposed for it to be. So today I want to talk about purpose over popularity. Purpose over popularity. Now everybody wants to be liked. Agree? Is there anybody that says, man, I don't want to be liked? I, I don't care if anybody likes me. I don't want to be liked. I don't. No, no. How many like? It's, like, it's nice to be liked. How many want to have people like you and friends and people that think good things about you and say good things about you? Every person has a desire on the inside of us to be accepted and loved and liked by people. Now, I've got my little girls. I've got a little four-year-old and a five-year-old. And I was watching them over the last couple of weeks. And did you know that even children have a desire to be liked? They want to know that they're accepted, me and Phyllis, that mom and dad, that we love them and accept them. Addison say, Dad, do I look pretty? Well, absolutely. You're a princess. You always look pretty. You know, Dad, did I do a good job? Yes, absolutely you did a great job. But on the inside of even a four and a five-year-old, that they would say, man, do, do you like me? Do you accept me? Do you, do you want me? And so we, as adults, that desire doesn't necessarily just go away. That, yeah, we can mask it, and if you've been rejected after any amount of time, you can say, well, it doesn't matter what people think. But really, on the inside, so many people live to become liked by others. They make decisions so that others will accept them and love them, that they would not feel rejection. And in today's environment with social media, especially millennials, You've been raised in this social media era where there are, everything you do, it's all about popularity. It's about how many people liked my post, how many people hearted my post. And, you know, if you're on Instagram, and I mean, we've all been victim. How many have ever taken a picture? And you're like, that is an amazing picture. 
You've been thinking all day about the caption that is going to make this accentuated to where people are going to like what you posted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I've been thinking all day, and you post it, and a minute goes by, and nobody liked it. And you go back, and you look again, and you're like, nobody. The only person that's liked it so far is your best, best friend who likes everything you post. And then you go back, and have you ever had this? You post it, and you're like, well, did I say it right? I mean, did it come out, though? Because when I thought it, I thought everybody. And then you start to think, well, is it the filter? Is it the word? Maybe I need to take a different angle. What are we doing? We are trying to get people to accept us and to like us and to love us. In fact, listen to this. Uh, Psychologists say that there's a drug that is released in your brain. It's called dopamine. And so when people like your stuff, there is a chemical that's being released in your brain that causes you to feel these endorphins, and they say it's the equivalent of drugs. That that acceptance and that approval, it releases those hormones in your, in your brain and re- releases it in your body so much so that you begin to be addicted to approval. And then what happens is we start to live for likes. Everything subconsciously, maybe consciously is, hey, will people like me? You know, Kevin, we're going throughout school, and hey, will they like me? Will they accept me? Do they want me? And and so subconsciously, if we're not careful, we fall into this trap of living our lives trying to please the world and not the one who created us. Living for the approval of others. And what we've got to be careful of is it will always keep us from the purposes of God. That we weren't created to live for the approval of others. You weren't created to live so that everybody would like you. Can I tell you, as a Christian, not everybody's going to like you. As an individual, not everybody's going to like you. And so we can't allow people and their opinion of us and their approval of us to begin to deter us from the purposes that God has placed on the inside of you. That God placed purpose inside of you. He placed a destiny. He placed things for you to do, people for you to touch, places for you to go, and an impact for you to make in this world. Did you know this? That even the most introverted person, introverted, don't talk to anybody, doesn't say anything about, they impact, sociologists have said, more than 10,000 people in their lifetime. Think about somebody who's got the fire of God, the message of hope on the inside, and as they share with others, how many people God has ordained for you to impact, there is purpose on the inside of you. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Hebrews eleven twenty-four. 24. Uh, we're going to go and look at the life of Moses. Study a little bit of the life of Moses. Now, let me give you a little bit of background of Moses. Moses was actually a Hebrew child who was raised in an Egyptian home. So the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. And most of you know this story, but Pharaoh had, had declared the murder of babies. And so the Hebrews, and they did that because the Hebrews were multiplying. And so the Egyptians were worried they would multiply so much they would overthrow the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh sets a decree to kill them all, all the babies. And Moses' mother says, there's something special about this baby. I'm going to save him. She puts him in a basket, floats him down the Nile River. And then we see Pharaoh's daughter who is bathing in the Nile, sees the baby, brings the baby to her own, and raises Moses as her own. 
And then we also know later in the story that God would use Moses to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and then ultimately lead them into the promised land. And so I want to pull out just a couple of observations this morning about his life. Hebrews eleven twenty four. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. Everybody say chose. chose. Say it again. Say it loud and proud. Say chose. chose. So he chose what? Look, to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And we know that ultimately, again, he would help free the Israelites from slavery. He chose calling over comfort. He chose purpose over popularity. And I I understand, even sitting here, you could think, well, listen, man, purpose... You hear so many people talk about purpose, and you think if, if, if I'm you sitting out there, and so many times in my life, it's like, hey, pastor, I'm not Moses. You know, I don't know that I'm called to free all of God's people. I mean, you know, he's a legend. He's, he's this man that everybody looks up to. Ain't nobody looking up to me. I, I don't know if I've got that big P purpose for my life. I'm just trying to make it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, man, I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm trying to raise these kids without killing them. <laughs> trying to keep my job. I mean, I'm trying to just, I'm just trying to juggle. Maybe you're a single mom and you're thinking, I'm just trying to keep my family together. I, I, I don't know if I can relate to Moses' purpose like this big grand thing. No, no, let me, let me tell you this. I I don't want to talk about your big overarching purpose in your life, which I believe God has called every one of you to. I want to talk about purpose as in little p. Not big p, little p. What does that mean? That means your purpose moment by moment, day by day, today, tomorrow, the next day. God, God, what is it that you would ask me to do? God, what am I supposed to do with my life right now? And God, what is it that you would have me move forward with in my life? And and today, God, I choose to discover my purpose for what you want me to do right now. Not necessarily this big over, just what do you want me to do right now, God? Because this, there is power in living with purpose. Power in living with purpose. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 9, 26. So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose that there's not a moment in my life where I'm not doing something for God. I'm moving forward in my life. Why? Because purpose has power. And we have a whole generation of people that live life aimlessly. They've got nothing that they're shooting for. They don't don't have a clue what their life is about. They're just moving from one thing to the next. And I'm here to tell you, God has a purpose for your life. And in 2017, my desire is, God, would you help us discover it? Why? Because there is no devil in hell that will stop you when you discover your purpose. God, what'd you call me to do? God, what's the thing that you put on the inside? How can I get involved? Sometimes we just get in this routine, and I I understand. It's like you go to work, you come home, feed the babies, bathe the babies, put the babies back to bed, go back to work, 
The next day, I mean, just this cycle and this, this monotony and this just trying to make it. And, but I want you to know this. You don't have to just try to make it. Yes, there can be routine. Yes, there can be monotony. But in your life right now, God called you to make a difference. God called you with purpose. And that purpose is powerful when you discover it. So we got to discover, God, what do you want me to do? And, I, and then you just start doing it. And what I would encourage you is this, get connected with people that are making a difference. Like, like I think sometimes you can think, well, I got to go and start something. I got to go be. No, no. I found this in my life when I've needed to find purpose. It's like, God, who's already making a difference? Who's already touching lives? Who seems to be in the center of your will? God, I'm going to go get involved with them. And so let 2017, my invitation is this, would you come with us as a church, get involved with some of the dream teamers, get involved with some of the small groups that are already making a difference. And as you do, what you'll find is, man, I'm in step with people making a difference. I'm discovering my purpose. I am needed in this place. See, ultimately, there's two things that people need in their life. They want to be known and they want to be needed. Like, do you know me? Like, do you, do you know my name? You know, do, do, you, do, you, do you know my kids? Do you know what school I go to? Now, our church is so big already, even though we're only a couple years old. There's no way everybody can know everybody. But I do know this. There are groups of people that God's called us. That's why we have small groups. So everyone knows your name. You're living in community, that you come together. You're doing life together. Someone said, well, nobody visited me in the hospital. My question is, are you living life with people? Because in a small group, when you live life with a group of people that are moving in the same direction, that are making a difference just like you, then what you see is, oh, tragedy strikes. I got a support group. Things happen that are good. I've got a whole team that celebrates with me. That's what doing life is all about. And so you've got to say, man, I'm going to get around people that are making a difference. People that are going in the right direction. People that are moving forward and, and really impacting lives eternally. Some people never understand this. And I'll tell you, God created every person with unique gifts, with unique talents. He, he placed special things on the inside of you. And here's the thing. I can tell you that all day long. I can say God created you uniquely. There's no two people exactly like Steve and I are identical twins. Steve and I are not exactly alike. And God placed something on the inside. I tell you that all day long, but what you've got to do is say, I'm going to discover what it is he put on the inside of me. In fact, I, I've got something. I need a volunteer. Somebody, somebody, G, come up here, stand up. Come on up here, Robert. I, I got something, I, you know, I was inspired this Christmas. Just come on up, G. He's like, what are you going to do to me? Everybody say, good morning, G. Come on, say it again. Say, good morning, G. Why don't you tell everybody good morning? Oh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so this is what I would say. So, uh, you, you know, I was inspired through Christmas. Anybody get some cool gifts in Christmas? My, my, okay, anybody get any cool gifts? In, like, can y'all respond or what? <laughs> How many gave better gifts? You're like, my, they were way better. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. So, so I thought about this, you know, so, so what does this look like? Just like a stone? Yeah, like stone. So does it look valuable? It could be. No. Yeah. So it could be. It looks so so look over here. So I mean it's really just kind of some dirt, some stone, and so if you if you saw that across the way, would you do anything with it? 
Get it out of the way. Probably get it out of the way, just like kick it to the curb. That's because we work with excellence here at the church. We pick it all up and kick it to the curb. So, so here you have this thing. I, I, I wonder if, if you're looking at it, you'd say, man, I probably wouldn't do anything. If I told you there were gems in here, some valuable things inside of it, what would you do? Can I have it? <laughs> so, so you would take it, okay? So why don't you do this? If, if you're going to get the gems out of here, what would you do? Just break it? Find a way to make it more valuable to not crack any of it? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to try to open it up. So if you're going to do this, you probably need some tools, which we happen to have some trusty tools right here. So you want to try to break it up. So listen, there are some gems in here. What would you do with it now? You going to try to open it up? Am I qualified to open it up? <laughs> That's a good question. Let me ask everybody. Do y'all think G is qualified to open this? I don't know how hard it could be, huh? They're so kind. They're so kind. Yes, they are kind. It's New Year's Day, bro. These are the saved people. <laughs> yeah, y'all showed up, Texans playing, Dallas playing, New Year's Day. They're all saved. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Come on. You get an extra gem in your crown in heaven. <laughs> so, so let's try to open it up, man. So you're going to get some tools. Yeah, yeah, bro. That's what I brought it here for. Break it open. So there's some gems up in this place. He's going to open it. What? Okay. There is. I wasn't joking. Come on, show them. But there's more than one. Oh, there is? Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, he's happy with what? He's like, I got a deal. Yeah, come on, there's two. Okay. Yeah. Come on, there's, I think there's more. I think there's seven. That's what the box said. <laughs> it's like one. Yeah, yeah, look. So these are great, man. So you're going to get, you're getting a little dirty, but does it matter? No, you got to get dirty work. That's right, man. Got to get a little dirty. Come on. Just keep looking, uh-huh, just keep, there's one, boom, come on, man, you're getting good, man, this takes a little bit of, come on, man, look, so, I think this, man, there's more than seven, man, this is a good piece of rock, look, try to look, you got that one right there, man, now show everybody what you got, so you got some valuable gems that were hidden in something that looked worthless, come on, it's pretty nice, it's pretty nice, don't spend it all in the same place, Okay, no, love you guys. Come on, give my hand. So, so I thought, isn't that such a great illustration of what I wonder our lives might look like? I mean, to the natural eye, just looking at it, it doesn't, in some cases, people say, well, it doesn't look like it has any value. You know, maybe you're someone, someone said, well, you'd be just like your dad. He was never much, and you're not going to be much. You're not very gifted. You're not very talented. And so the problem is this, when you begin to believe the lie of I'm not good enough, there's nothing of great value, I'm just trying to make it, then you never discover the hidden gems that God placed on the inside of you. And if you look at G. He had to use some tools. We got here. He got a little bit messy, and it took people to say, okay, you can do it. Look, try theirs. There's about seven of them is what the box said, and just hit it a couple more times. And I, I wonder if that's not a picture of our life, that for us, what we think sometimes is if I just go to church, if I just show up on Sunday, surely I'm just going to, somebody's going to I'm a hidden gem. And it's wonderful and it's amazing. And the truth is, that's not really what happens. What happens is you have to go and let some tools work it out and discover that that's what our next steps process is all about. 
doesn't take anything great or fantastic. Just what's your personality? If you don't know your personality, how could you discover how God created you? What's your spiritual gifts? Did you know that inside each and every one of you, there are what we call grace gifts? That means you didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. God just deposited those gems inside of your life. And unless you've taken a spiritual gifts test, you don't even know the hidden treasure that God has on the inside. And, that, and then you need people to say, hey, maybe this is what you're good at based on your personality profile, based on your spiritual gifts. These are the things that will make you come alive. And it takes a little bit of work. It takes some coaching. It takes some talking. But it always takes people. And so my challenge to you this year in, in 2017 is, will you allow us to help you discover your purpose? And some of you, you've already done it. Man, it's amazing. You're serving in your purpose. But let this be the year that you discover and you begin to engage in the purposes that God has for your life. Can I get an amen? I want to talk about three things. Why is it important to live with purpose? First one is this. Purpose brings clarity and focus. When you know your purpose, maybe it's not the overarching big P, but the little P. Man, I know that I'm supposed to come here and serve. I, I know God, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know my next step. I know what you've called me to do right now. There is clarity and focus. Look at verse 26 with Moses. He says, he was looking ahead towards his reward. And because of that, he didn't allow the pleasures of sin and the pleasures of Egypt to distract him. God had put it on the inside of him that he would be a deliverer of his people. And so he didn't allow things to distract him. How many know it's easy to get distracted? I don't know if you're like me, man, but it's, if I don't have purpose, if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, it's easy for us to get distracted. And so we say, no, I'm not going to allow myself to get distracted by the things of the world. God, what is it that you're calling me to do right now? God, what am I being faithful with right now? Maybe it's to serve in our children's department. We have one of the best children's departments, I believe, in the nation. They love our babies. They hold our babies. They teach our babies. They train our You say, man, God, I, I don't know what it all entails, but I know that I can come and serve our setup team. Listen, they get here at 6 o'clock in the mornings. They stay till 2 o'clock. Men, women, everybody just says, I've got a gift of craftsmanship. I want to use my hands to make a difference. They come and make a difference. I know this. This, someone asked me and said, Pastor, how do I become faithful? How do I stay committed? I think the key to that is making sure that you're needed by people, that I'm engaging my gift, that I'm engaging with a group, that they need me to show up, and when they need me, it produces faithfulness. God, I'm not going to engage. Sometimes you try to figure out the overarching purpose for your life, and the truth is just stay steady with the next thing. I remember in 2004, 2005, it was right after uh, the restaurant. I was doing multiple odds and ends of different jobs. And I remember I was torn. I, I, I was an entrepreneur, had a business, and was filling this call into ministry, didn't know what it looked like. And I was working every other job but what I thought I was supposed to do, just trying to provide. But the thing that I realized was that I needed some anchors in my life. Anchors are the things that hold you grounded. That's that next thing. That's that little P. That's the thing, God, you want me to do right now. And I knew God called me to be faithful in the church that I was in. We were serving, attending every Sunday. And then they had a small group. It was a young married small group. And Phyllis and I had only been married for a couple of years. And went to this small group, got involved, building relationships and Still a little bit in limbo, had no idea what God was going to do. I just knew, God, I'm going to be faithful with the little P purpose of my life right now. 
that God, you've got me in this season. I'm going to stay serving and loving and living with people. And then we had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. We went to Iquitos, Peru. Anybody know where that's at? In Peru. It's up uh, by the Amazon. And Phyllis and I were over in one of the villages. And the only way to get there was by boat. And we're preaching the gospel. We got some radical teenagers. Any teenagers in here? Paul, can I, can I get a clap, brother? I'm going to call you out. Come on, BJ, BJ, JR, and all the. So, so, so we got some radical teenagers. All right, got any radical adults? Yeah. I'm with them. And I just remember, we, we, it was amazing. We had this team. We're in the Amazon. It was awesome. And then we're driving down the river in a boat. And I'll never forget this moment. I was kind of asking God, God, what, what am I going to do with my life? Just in this limbo. And I was sitting next to a lady who was on staff at the ministry that we were on this mission trip with. And I'll never forget, she looks over to me and she said, hey, Jim, she said, I have a position that's open at the ministry. It's a full-time position. I wonder if you'd be interested in applying for this position. I mean, my heart left. I thought, man, absolutely. And the amazing thing was in that moment, I wasn't looking for an opportunity to go work somewhere. I was just, God, I'm going to be faithful in this opportunity. God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to give. I'm going to be faithful right here. And then little did I know, while I was on a boat in the Amazon River, someone would offer me a job that would set the course of my life to full-time ministry. Amazing. Faithful. See, that's what, that's what purpose does. It brings clarity and focus. God, I'm just going to focus here. I'm not going to get distracted by the things the world has to offer. The second thing is this. Purpose pushes you through the pain. Listen, purpose pushes you through the pain. Life's not always going to be a bed of roses. There's going to be pain that takes place. Look at verse 25. It says, he, Moses, chose. Everybody say Chose chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he knew that as he was making the choice to live with God's purpose, there was going to be some hard times. There was going to be some mistreatment. There was going to be people that didn't understand. There were going to be people that would reject him, that would ridicule him and persecute him. And I want you to know that as a Christian, we want you to have a great life. We want things to be good, but God never intended, nor did he call us to live a life of perfection with no pain. He just said, I'll give you joy in the midst of trials. I'll give you peace that passes all understanding. And that in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, I've got something that anchors me to the heart of God. And it's the purpose that he put inside of my heart. That God, regardless of how people respond. See, I would love to tell you, you became a Christian and he gives you love, joy, peace. And he does. But sometimes we forget the pain. The minute you say yes to Jesus, how many know the devil is there to steal, to kill, and to destroy? And bad things happen to good people. I don't know why it always happens, but it does. I do know this, that God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And it's that purpose that pulls me through this pain. That God, your purpose pulls me through the pain. And sometimes we say, well, God, I'll do it when my life is perfect. You know, I just got a divorce. And God, whenever I find that man, no, baby, you serve in the middle of that divorce. That we've got a group of people that love you in the pain. That will walk through you in the pain, the hurt, the trial, the struggle. Why? Because you've got to have something greater to live for than what you're walking in. 
Oh, I'll serve God and I'll do that when my kids act right. No, baby, sometimes your kids are just going to act a fool. And there ain't nothing you can do. Your husband, at the end of the day, I'm telling you this, your purpose will walk you through that pain. I'll push you through. God, I don't, I don't want to live for the approval of people. I want to live for your approval. Acts chapter 5, 29, we see the disciples who are preaching the love of God. They're preaching the gospel. They love God. Those who were religious, who said they had the knowledge of God, are the ones that actually rejected Peter and the disciples. And look at what they said, that in the midst of rejection, in the midst of pain, Peter and the other apostles, they reply, we must obey God rather than human beings. They chose purpose over popularity, purpose over people liking them and accepting them. And let me tell you this, that the devil's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy everything God's placed in your life. And he does it through people so many times. And so many times it's the ones that we love. And even the ones that love us too, they, they, they don't mean to, but we've got to know this, that God, your purpose pushes me past the pain. When you live with purpose, critics can't stop you. Opposition doesn't deter you. Pain doesn't slow you down. Why? Because you were made for this. I love what Danny's shirt said. The guy's playing the guitar. He's got his Dream Team shirt. We, we had over 238 Dream Teamers celebrate the Christmas party. We gave them those shirts, and the whole front of it says, I was made for this. Oh, devil, you can try your biggest shot. You can try to take me out. You can try to knock me down. But let me tell you, I discovered my purpose. I was made for this. This is my church. These are my people. This is my purpose. And I refuse to let anything stop what you want to do inside, God. Purpose pushes you past the pain. Third thing is this. Purpose empowers you to live a life of significance. Let's say 2017 will be the year we live with significance. That we say, God, I, I, I'm all about your purposes. See, Moses went through the, the rejection. Moses went through the temptations. Moses went through everything he did. And at the end of his life, there was significance that his life mattered. His life made a difference. And I want you to know every person in this place, God wants your life to matter. Don't look to the right or left and judge by what other people are doing. My question is, are you making a difference? Does your life matter in the way God created it to matter for you? Success or significance, those are really the options. The world says be successful. But really, when you look at success, success is all focused on us. It's adding value to ourselves. I want to climb the ladder. I want to get to the top. I want to be rich. It's, it's all about me, and it's selfish in its very nature. Significance says it's all about you. It's all about people. It's all about others that I live to give my life away. Isn't that what Jesus did? said the greatest of these is not the leader. The greatest of these is a servant. What's that about? Significance. God, I'm going to give my life away. That in 2017, where there's been areas where it's been about me, maybe my comfort, maybe what I want, what I like. God, this year, I choose to let it be all about others, to be about reaching my family, my friends, my coworkers, those that live in this city. God, this is the year that I live a life of significance. Reaching others. I, I would say like this, when you find your why, you find your way. God, why? why? Why do I get up in the morning? What, what, what is your purpose? God, what it was I made for? God, what is it that you put on the inside of me? I mean, you hear me say it all the time. Next steps, next steps. Why? Because it's the tool that helps you discover your purpose. 
See, I think you can do a lot of great things in life, but not everything has an eternal value. Jesus ain't coming back for businesses or corporations. You know who Jesus is coming back for? His bride. Listen, that's the challenge with volunteerism. If, if we're not careful, it can deceive us into thinking that it's, it's, it's you know, we're making this, this big impact. No, sometimes we can just be busy moving other people's agendas forward. Now, I'm not saying don't volunteer outside the church, but my question is this. When's the last time we said, God, I voluntarily give you what belongs to you. God, I'm going to build your church. I'm going to build your bride. I'm going to do what you placed on the inside of me to reach souls. He ain't coming back for stuff. He's coming back for people. That's the beauty of this Christmas Eve service. The hundreds of people that served was this. Man, you got your friends here, your family's here, and I promised you, and I did exactly that. I was going to preach the gospel, give them an opportunity to respond. Why? Because that's what it's all about. That's why we do it at the end of every service. We do a salvation call. Why? Because I know you bring your friends. I know you got your family members here, maybe somebody that walked away, and if, if, if I'm you, I'm sitting there saying, oh, pastor, please do the invitation. Why? Because it's about souls. It's about making an eternal impact. It's about living a life of significance. In 2017, let us live a life of significance, doing things for other people. I love our youth and young people, even though they were quiet on me this morning. I love you. I love you. I'm so proud of JR and BJ and some of those guys. And I don't know if you know this, but Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays throughout the Christmas break, they're delivering food, praying for people, delivering things to help with hygiene packs, going all over this city saying, hey, look, this is just a gift to say, you, you know, we love you. And then they're praying. But listen, it's all about Jesus. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's all about God. Yeah, this stuff is good, but it ought to lead you back to God. And our young people, they get it. I know many of you in here, you get it. It's about God, let me do things that point people to you. Even as your pastor, look, I love the lights. I love all the stuff. But the key is this, that's just bait. Like, why do you do it so excellent? Because I'm trying to win the lost. My competition is not the church down the road. It's the Apple store in the mall. It's the movie theaters that people are watching movies in right now because it's New Year's Day. That's our competition. If we don't do this with excellence, how are we going to bait them into God's kingdom? Like for me, it's like, man, come in, come in, come in, come in. Boom! Let me get out of the way, God, here. You just, you just show up. And how many of you have felt that? It's like, man, I don't know what it is, but I sense God's presence. It's just bait. Somebody sent some hate mail on Santa Claus. I know. Got some hate mail on it. Oh, it's an idol. Where you see an idol, I see bait. Why? Because I know there's a world that wants a picture with Santa Claus. And if I can get them here because of a picture with Santa Claus, I can introduce them to the Savior, Jesus. It's just bait. Let this be the year that we live lives on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. Discover what God placed on the inside of you. Listen, you're not too old. You're not too young. That every one of you, you just come alive. I was, I was made for this. Robert, who serves back here faithfully week in and week out, he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, you know, this church has changed my life. Robert's been with us for years and serves me back there and the whole team. And 
It was about three weeks ago, he said, Pastor, he said, I, I just got to tell you, this church has changed my life. And of course, I'm a man, praise God. So he looked me in the eyes, he said, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I respond differently because of what God has done in my life at this church. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I was in a sales meeting. And he said, they just keep adding stuff to my responsibilities. And, you know, they're doing some downsizing. And he said, the good thing is this, I still got my job. The rough thing is they keep adding stuff to my plate. He said, I was sitting in this meeting and they just keep adding stuff to my plate. He said, I looked him in the eyes and he said, I told him, I was made for this. And he said, Pastor, there would have been a time when I wouldn't have responded like that. He said, but what I realized is this, that God has me in that place. I was made to be where I'm at. And God is using me to touch those people. I mean, what a change. Just, I was made for this. Let that be the culture phrase of us here. I I was made for this. Not pick up trash all the time. I was made. Somebody said, oh, no, no, I was made for that. Why? Because excellence creates comfort. When things are excellent, people feel comfortable. I was made for this. I was made to hold babies. I was made to greet people at the door. The other day, we had all of our greeters out there with umbrellas. Someone said, oh, I ain't getting wet. No, they're saying, I was made for this. Rain or shine, people's lives are being saved. Souls are being touched. Over 1,100 people have committed their life to Christ in the last four years here at the church. We're made for this.